Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in. We're so glad to have you. You're part of the family as well, so um, wave at me. Can't see, but you're there. All right. We've been in a series called Has God Said? Uh, Today will be uh, part eight, and uh, basically we've just been going through and hitting maybe some uh, hot topic subjects in our culture. Much of what is clearly stated and understood in Scripture scripture is being questioned in today's society. And so I I believe the enemy of our soul comes along many times and he'll say, did God really say that? Did he really mean what he said in his word? Or if you get a prophetic word or he speaks something to you individually, did he really, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? And so um, we've been kind of going after some of those hot topic subjects, all right? Um, If you missed any of these uh, messages in this series, I'm going to highly encourage you to go back and listen to them. Um, But last week, I did a message called, Does Value Begin at Conception? Does Value Begin at Conception? We talked about... Um, the subject and the issue of abortion. Um, if you missed that message, um, I am insisting that you go back and listen to that one. If you, if you, it was a good one, and uh, heard a lot of great feedback f- um, about it. And I think it's one of those. Um, this message and and the last message, I, I want to say that I want this to be a culture-setting message for our church. And so, if you're part of our Sea Lights family, this is culture that we're trying to set. And I want you to go back and make sure. To listen to that. Um, I want to highlight a couple of points from last week. By the way, I said this at the beginning of my message last week. I'll say it again. Um, if you're here, undoubtedly, there are um, women here who have had abortions. What I want to say is that what we're talking about today is in no way, shape, or form meant to bring condemnation, guilt, or shame um, on you at all. Um, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the grace and the glory of God. I'm standing up here by the grace of God. I need his mercy. Amen. So there's no guilt, shame, condemnation. Actually, it's the enemy of your soul who would want to do that. Okay. He will get you to have an abortion and then come back later and, and give you the guilt for that thing and make you carry that guilt and that shame and condemnation. But how many know through the blood of Jesus, there is forgiveness, there is redemption, and Jesus doesn't want that for you. Jesus didn't spill his blood so that you would live loathing through the rest of your life. I'm not just talking about people who have made the decision to have an abortion. I'm saying all of us. Jesus did not spill his blood so that we would loathe through the rest of our lives and be guilty. He, he spilt his blood so that we would be sons and daughters, right? We would have bold, boldness to come before him and the throne of grace. Amen? So that's what we believe. We, we believe in a graceful, loving, merciful God who is quick to forgive and um, is quick to invite us back onto his lap. Amen? Okay. Uh, so let me, I'm going to do somewhat of a lengthy review because I want to, you know, the, the train's already moving. I got to make sure you guys are on it, okay? Um, and review's good, especially with this. Central questions we asked when considering the sanctity of life is this. Is what is inside a woman, is it human? Does it have value? And should it have rights? Is it becoming human or is it human? Is it becoming valuable or is it valuable? And should 
What does inside a woman have any rights? All right, is it human? Uh, I didn't mention this last week, but if you were to take a, ba- a baby and, and someone asks, what species is this? What species are we looking at here? And if they took the DNA of that baby, you would determine this species is human, right? If you ran a test, it would determine this species is human. There's no difference between a baby that's in the womb, a baby that's one month old, and a 65-year-old. There's no difference between the genetic coding within that person, okay? That is the same throughout your life. So it is, at the genetic level, human. It's a human species. It's not another species and then becomes human, okay? Um, I didn't mention that last week. What I did mention last week is this. Humans are spirit beings, we are spirit beings from conception, okay? Is the baby becoming a spirit being or is the baby a spirit being? Um, if you read Luke chapter one, you can determine two things about babies in the womb. Number one, they can be filled with the Holy Spirit prior to being born. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. Another thing you, you can see from Luke uh, chapter one is that babies can actually be sensitive to the spiritual realm while, while inside their mothers, okay? So they are spiritual. They're, they're aware of the spiritual realm. They can be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why we say, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. No, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> meant something totally different. Mamas, pray for your babies, okay? And uh, fathers, lay your hands on your babies. Okay. So... <clears throat> The Holy Spirit is a tremendous gift of God to us. God would not, like, we're made in God's likeness and image. God would not bestow the gift of the Holy Spirit on something that's unhuman. Okay? His Spirit is meant to be in unity and merge with our spirit. He wouldn't, he wouldn't bestow his Spirit on something that's unhuman. We're made in the image and likeness of God. We're spirit beings. Okay. Is it human? Number two, does it have value? Okay? We listed four things last week that do not determine someone's value. Number one, size does not determine your value. A toddler up here is not less valuable than me, okay? Size does not determine value. Level of development does not determine value. Kids are less um, physically and mentally developed than adults. Are they less valuable than adults? Actually, you could make the argument that they're more valuable than adults because most of us would lay our lives down for kids, wouldn't we? Especially our kids. Okay, so level of development doesn't determine someone's value. What about level of dependence? Kids are dependent on us. People with special needs are more dependent, right? Are they less valuable than people who are not dependent? No. Last thing, things did not determine your value. Location. A baby inside the womb, to me, this is just mind-boggling to me, that a baby that is about to be born can still be aborted and... A week later, be outside the womb. This has protections over it, no protection inside the womb. If you, there are certain states, it's not, this case in, it's not the case in Colorado, but there are certain states where if you kill a woman who is pregnant, you can be charged for double homicide. Yet in, in many states, they will do full-term, full-term abortions. Okay, So location does not determine our value. Someone may object to that and say, well, Pastor Kurt, the baby that's inside a woman, this is, it's, a, it's a fetus. It's not a baby, it's a fetus. It's just a fetus, okay? Listen, the word fetus doesn't mean it's subhuman. The word fetus is a description 
of a developmental, a development stage of a person's life, okay? By the way, there are a lot of categories of human life, 12 of them, okay? When, when you start out at conception, you're a zygote, then you're an embryo, then you're a fetus, then you're an infant, a toddler, a child, a pre-adolescent, adolescent, young adult, middle adult, old, old adult, and geriatric, okay? <laughs> All those are human. All are human. All are spirit beings. And all have value. Okay? Those are descriptions of stages of life. They're not, one's not human and the other is. Okay? All right. Last one. Should humans have, uh, should, should it have rights? Should is what is inside of a mother have rights? Here's my answer. Humans should have rights. That's what I believe. I believe humans should have rights. Pastor Kurt, are you a man telling me what I should do with my body? No, I'm not telling you what to do with your body. Okay? I'm suggesting to you that what is inside of you is also human and maybe you should have rights as well. Currently, under the, the decision of Roe versus Wade, it has been determined that essentially the unborn have no constitutional rights. Now, just because something is legal does not make it moral, all right? We have many examples of laws, things that are legal that aren't moral. I gave an example last week. In, in parts of Nevada, prostitution is legal. Some counties it's legal, some it's not. You can literally drive through the state. It's legal. It's okay. It's not legal. We're in a different county, okay? And so legal and moral are not always synonymous, all right? Unfortunately, that's not the case. And last week, I gave several examples of laws that dehumanized people that have since been overturned. Psalm 94.20 says this, Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? Shall the throne of iniquity that devises evil by law have fellowship with you? Listen, you have fellowship with the throne of iniquity when you support people who support the evil decree. Okay? That's how you have fellowship with the throne of iniquity. But speaking of, of um, the idea of unjust things that dehumanize people, speaking of racism, things like that, this was too important not to mention. I want to mention this uh, that I didn't mention last week. I want to just touch on real quick the racist roots of Planned Parenthood. I don't know if you know this, but the, found, the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, go ahead and put up that picture of her. Um, she, she said this. She wrote this in a letter. I had to like double check this to make sure this was true. She wrote this in a letter to someone. She said, we do not want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Okay, this is the founder of Planned Parenthood. For years, she was like championed as this like great you know, person for women's rights and all this stuff. She was horrendously racist, all right? Now, to this day, 76% of Planned Parenthood facilities are within walking distance of minority communities. So the targeting of minority, minorities is still happening to this day. Um, there's many um, African-American pastors who would say that there is a black, there's a genocide of black babies happening in abortion facilities. And I heard this pastor this week, this African-American pastor said this week, the most dangerous place for an African-American is in the womb. The most dangerous place is in the womb. So um, we need, you guys need to know about that. 
and we need to know that the roots of this thing have been racist, and we want to speak rights and, and over these people. All right, so that's my review. How do we combat the shedding of innocent blood and an abortion? Um, I want to talk about that this week. Last week, I talked about why we believe it's wrong. This week, I want to talk about what we should do about it, okay? Christians, we should, we should not be just known for what we're against. We need, to, we need to be known for what we're for, okay? So I want to talk about how we combat that this week. So how can we combat the shedding of innocent blood? Point number one, I've got six points. Point number one is supplication. It's a fancy word for prayer. Everybody say supplication. supplication. All right. How can we combat it? Supplication. Do not underestimate the importance of partnering with the Holy Spirit to strike down the evil decree of 1973. Okay? Roe was passed in 1973. We want to strike that, strike that down. Do not um, underestimate the importance of prayer. I'm telling you that all things are possible. God can overturn that thing. By the way, when that was passed in 1973, many um, scientific developments happened after that. I believe if they had known what they know about babies now in utero, that they wouldn't have passed such a sweeping, um, a sweeping decision like that. Okay. How many know when the death decree of Haman was issued to kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire, Queen Esther rose up as the deliverer? And she, she told Mordecai, have all the Jews fast and pray for three days. She served as an intercessor to end the death decree. I want to end the death decree in America. Amen. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. You know, there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of things going on in our nation. I think a lot of that is a symptom of the shedding of innocent blood, the blood that is crying out from the grave, crying out for justice from the grave. I believe that is a symptom of this in a large part. I believe that's a huge driver. I will heal their land. God can heal our land. Amen? All right. Let's, we want to pray for the ending of abortion. That's point number one. Point number two, how can we combat the shedding of innocent blood. Number two is consideration. We need to have tremendous, tremendous consideration for those who are at risk for having an abortion. Again, we as believers need to be not just known for what we're against. We need to be known for who we are for. We need to be for these mothers. When we tell women that they need to keep their babies, do we lift a finger to help them? Okay, we have to change that narrative. We have to change that narrative. Do we lift a finger to help them? Um, Jesus, in, in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, he's speaking of the Pharisees. By the way, that's the group you don't want to be associated with, is the Pharisees, okay? In Matthew 23, he says this. Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' Moses's seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie heavy, cumbersome loads on uh, and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Okay? So if we're saying to these mothers, hey, you can't and you shouldn't, you shouldn't abort your baby, are we doing anything to help them? Are we doing anything to empower them? Okay? Are we lifting a finger to help them? Okay? Church, we have to change that narrative. 
We have to change the story. Amen. So what can we do? We can do things individually and we can do things corporately. Let me talk about individually first. When I read the Bible, I don't know about you. I don't read the Bible just to get sermons. Um, I read it and I get ideas for sermons. But when I read the Bible, I read it for me. And I figure what feeds me will feed you, right? When I read the Bible, I read it for me. And so when it says things like, you should care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the alien, the stranger, when it says things like that, I don't think automatically, what can I tell other people to do? I think of myself, what am I doing to change it, okay? What is the personal responsibility I'm taking? I think many times we look at problems in the world, we're like, there's a problem there, and that guy has a lot of money. We should take his money and give it to them, okay? No, the question is, what are you doing with your minimum wage salary, right? What are you doing with that, and how are you helping? Each of us, when we read the word, we should take that personal responsibility upon ourselves. What are you doing individually? Every one of us have a sphere of influence. Every one of us have people we know. We have family members. Are we taking that responsibility when we see someone vulnerable, when we see someone who's at risk for abortion, when we see the poor, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, okay? I read my Bible. I read it for me prime, uh, first, okay? We shouldn't be outsourced, just trying to outsource that problem. It's like we should be taking that responsibility ourselves. First John, I think it's 317, it says, um, it says, if you see your brother and sister in need and have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Okay? So we need to take that responsibility. By the way, if we outsource the problem to someone else, where's our reward? Where's the reward for us? Right? There's no reward in it for us. So we want the reward for it as well. Okay. So individually, we need to take that responsibility. Secondly, what can we do corporately? What can we do corporately? City Lights Church, we want to be a church who cares for these things. Um, so we are trying to do that, and we've partnered with a few different things here, a few different ministries. Uh, the first one is here in Greeley, there's a ministry called the Resource Center. There's also a branch that they have in Windsor. And the Resource Center, um, they do pregnancy and STD testing. And I want to encourage you to be aware of this ministry. Be aware of this, because as you encounter people who are maybe facing unplanned, parent, um, unplanned pregnancies, we need to be aware of this resource. It's a tremendous ministry. They have a loving staff where if someone comes in, they have a loving staff, they can get free tests, free ultrasounds. Many of these women um, rededicate their lives to the Lord or put their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. And many, many of them end up keeping their babies because of this ministry. And so we partner with this ministry. We, we on a monthly basis, we give to them. And um, this is a tremendous resource that I want to make sure that you guys are aware of. Another thing through the Resource Center um, is that there's a class for women who have gone through with abortion. Um, if you know someone who has had an abortion and, you're, and they're struggling, or you yourself have, and you're struggling with the aftermath of that decision, um, I want to make you aware of a confidential support group through the Resource Center. Um, out in the foyer, we have uh, some of these cards um, where it can give you information on this confidential um, group. But obviously it's on the foyer and you might not want to pick this up in front of everyone. So there you have it on the screen, uh, hope at pregnancygreely.com or you can just go to the Resource Center's website 
and uh, find it through them. Also, we have this, the, the uh, um, aftercare abortion support group. We have this listed as one of our city groups for, for the church. And what will happen is if you click on that, it will redirect to their site. But we want to make sure if there's anyone who's struggling with the aftermath, the guilt, shame, that kind of stuff, that there is a support group out there for you. So um, be aware of that resource as well. Um, the third thing that I want to mention is that uh, City Lights Church, we are going to be moving in the direction of more and more partnering and building a relationship with the foster care program in Weld County. And uh, we, have, we have families within the church who, have, uh, who are part of foster care. And what we want to do is help you connect with the foster care program, help connect with families that have begun that process. And, uh, and we, also wanna, we also want to do more outreaches to foster kids in Weld County. So you can look forward to seeing more of that in the future. Um, but if you go to citylights.church and you click on the outreach tab, you can, um, you'll find there that we have the uh, Weld County Foster Program listed on there. And if you want to learn more about that and contribute, you can, you can do that. Sound good? Okay. Last thing I want to say about consideration. If you are part of the City Lights Church family and you have an unplanned pregnancy, and you are at risk for abortion. Should I keep this child? Should I put this child up for adoption? And you need help, let us know. If you're part of our family and and you're struggling, and this is a decision you're facing, let us know. We want to help you. We want to change the narrative that we don't just say no to abortion. We want to say we are four moms, right? Amen. Come on. We want to help you make that decision to choose life. Okay, so that's point number two. Point number three, how can we combat the shedding of innocent blood? Number three is education. Hosea 4.6 says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Listen, one of the reasons why we have such an unplanned pregnancy problem is because we have a promiscuity problem in America. Okay, in the church and in America. So we need to be teaching our children and we need to embrace abstinence training. We need to get back to that. It is God's design that you would not share sexual intimacy with a bunch of partners. It is his will for you to marry one person and then wait until the context of marriage to have sex. Okay, we would not have so many people in vulnerable positions if they would wait till they're married to to have sexual intimacy, okay? Pastor Kurt, that's old-fashioned. It's kind of old-fashioned, isn't it? But just because it's old doesn't mean it's wrong, okay? We don't want to just do the new thing. We want to do the thing that works. Listen, God's, it's God's way, and it's the best, and it's blessed. God's way is best. God's way is blessed, amen? So, come on. We need a sexual purity revolution in our nation. Our, our culture is so promiscuous, so out of control. Everything is sexualized. Okay, we need a sexual purity revolution. By the way, the happiest, healthiest sex you can have is inside of marriage. That is absolutely true. Um, my wife and I have, I have officiated 22 weddings now. We do a lot of premarital counseling, my wife and I. One of the things we say to, I think every couple is this. The devil will do everything he can do to get you in bed before marriage 
and everything he can do to keep you out of bed after marriage, okay? He's working overtime to get people in bed who shouldn't be in bed. He's working overtime to keep people out of bed who should be in bed together, okay? So if you're married, go have, go have sex. I'll give, I'll give you permission right now. I mean, not right now. Wait till I'm done. All right. Wait till I'm done, okay? I had a hearty amen out of, out of Rick over here. <laughs> the second part of education I want to mention is that we need to be educating people about abortion and the negative effects it has, physical, many times, spiritual, emotional effects. Many, many people regret the decision to have an abortion afterwards. We need to be making sure people understand that it's, there, are, there is aftermath many, many times. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's point number three, education. Point number four, how can we combat the shedding of innocent blood? Number four is legislation. I won't labor, labor this point too long, but obviously it's an election year. Um, it's not very difficult to go to a party's website, a candidate's website, and find out if they're pro-life. And I would encourage you to do that. Find out if they're pro-life. Find out if the party you're voting for and the person you're voting for is pro-life. I want to encourage you to vote pro-life. In addition to that, I want to mention, I want to mention this. So, again, as a nonprofit organization, we're not supposed to favor one party over another or one candidate over another, but we can um, get behind certain ballot issues. And this is one I want to mention, again, is Proposition 115. That baby is so cute, by the way. Um, let me read this to you real quick, what's on Proposition 115. By the way, we have these flyers out in the foyer. Take some of these home. Give them to people. Put them on your neighbor's doors and stuff. But it says this, 40, 43 states have legal limitations on abortion. Colorado is not one of them. I've heard this Proposition 115 is close in Colorado. I want to see it pushed over and, and passed. Um, in Colorado, it's currently legal up to the moment of birth to have an abortion. And they say that 74% of all Americans believe that there should be limitations um, on late-term abortions. All right, so it, this would ban abortions after 22 weeks in Colorado, with the exception of the life of the mother. So I want to encourage you to vote yes on that. Amen? Okay, so legislation. Point number five. So we have supplication, prayer, consideration for the mothers, education, legislation. Number five, appropriation also known as adoption. Pastor Kurt, why didn't you just say adoption? Well, because I have a theme going here. <laughs> and I needed a word with an A-T-I-O-N at the end. And a synonym for adoption is appropriation, all right? So adoption. We need to talk about adoption. Adoption is a beautiful option for mothers of unplanned pregnancies. And it's a beautiful option for families who are looking to grow, people who can't have kids many times. Um, we have many families within our church who, who have adopted. Uh, one of them I want to talk about uh, quickly here is Dave and Cindy Amos. Where are you guys at? Are you guys in the room? They're back, right back here. Dave and Cindy Amos um, have adopted uh, two kids, and they adopted their daughter, Elisa, in 1988. Last week after I preached um, the message on, on, on abortion, um, they handed me 
um, some letters that their daughter, Elisa, her birth mom had given to Lisa. And I read these letters and they're so powerful. And I just want to highlight how amazing and beautiful adoption is that I want to actually read two of these letters to you in this sermon here. So um, <clears throat> November 7th, 1987, it says this. So this is Elisa's birth mother. She said, dearest little one, well, you're due to arrive on November 17th, so it won't be long now until I get to see you. I'm sure you'll be the most beautiful baby I've ever seen because you are already the most special. You are my first child, and that is what makes, this, uh, makes what I have to do extremely difficult. I don't know how I can put my feelings in words to explain them, but I'll start by telling you about myself. I am 19 years old and just finished my first year of college this spring. I attend the University of North Dakota, where I studied engineering. It was there I met your father. When I found out that I was pregnant, we were no longer seeing each other, and I was already three months along. We did not decide to get married because we knew that we were not right for each other. When I learned I was pregnant, my life changed completely. You see, I have been a Christian since I was young, but for the past few years had not been walking with the Lord. I actually thank God that I did become pregnant because it brought me back to him. You brought me back to him, and that's, what part, and that's part of what makes you so special. Because I love you so much, I want the very best for you. I've prayed about you and your life since the beginning, asking God to reveal his will for me concerning your life and mine, and he has been faithful. You see, I want to keep you very much, but I know you need a family. You need two parents who can take care of you in a way that I can't. God has wonderfully provided two such special people and a little boy who is anxiously waiting you to be your big brother. I know they will love you and care for you always. I really envy them because they get to be with you always. I love you very much and hope you will understand why I decided to release you for adoption. I think you will because about two days ago, I was praying for you and your future, and I was telling you about how much I love you and asked God to give me a sign that you could feel my love even in the womb. You had been moving some the whole time I was praying, but just then you pushed out one of your little hands and feet and gave me a little jab. It was beautiful and I will never forget it. Please remember that I will always love you, your birth mom, Dawn. All right, and then this is prior to her being born. And then after being born, it took a few months to get the adoption um, completed because they were the first um, adoption between, between uh, North Dakota and any, other, and any other state. So it took a while to get the, this going. February 27th, 1988, dear Elisa, this week was the hardest week of my life. I spent all day Monday with you, and then Tuesday we said goodbye. As I watched you board the plane with your new family, my heart broke in a million pieces. But I know you'll be happy, and that's what gets me through. Your father came to visit you when you were a month old and brought you a teddy bear at nightlight. He thought you were very beautiful, just as everyone does. You are a very, uh, very special, loved little girl, and I hope that when the day comes when you read these letters, you will feel that way. I will love you always and cherish the moments that I spent with you. I hope that someday we will meet again. God bless you, Don. What a powerful, powerful story. That a woman, 19, you know, she didn't have to tell anyone. She didn't have to tell a soul. She's 19 years old. She gets pregnant. She's in college. She could, have, she could have gone off and had an abortion, not told one soul. She, she tells her parents, she tells her ex-boyfriend, and, and because of the value of the sanctity of life within her, she makes the decision to keep that baby and to put that baby up for adoption. Beautiful story, 
and obviously blessed a family that was looking to have children of their own, and they, they were unable to. Beautiful option for someone who has an unplanned pregnancy. Beautiful option for a family who's looking to expand. To be pro-life is more than just how we vote, although that's important. We must be pro-adoption. We must be pro-woman. Amen. We got to help these people. Amen. On that note, um, earlier this uh, summer, I think it was August, we opened an adoption fund. Um, God had laid that on my heart and our staff's heart to open an adoption fund because we want to get behind families within this church who are looking to adopt. So far, you guys have given over $6,000 to that fund. And so it's well on its way. Thank you. And uh, look for great things um, coming up in the future. By the way, if you want to give to the Adoption Fund, you can go to our website and continue to give to that. Okay, last point. How can we combat the shedding of innocent blood? Number one, supplication. Number two, consideration. Number three, legislation. Number three, education. Number four, legislation. Number five, adoption. Number six, proclamation. Okay, we need to be those who proclaim this message from the rooftops. Do you know from, from the early church, the first century church was known for rescuing babies that were, um, if in the Roman culture, if there was a baby with a birth defect, they were known for exposing that baby and, and leaving it and letting it die. Christians were known, even in the first century, as rescuing those babies and being pro-life. This pro-life thing is not new to the church. It's not new to Christianity. We have been pro-life for 2,000 years. We as Christians should be pro-life. We believe that babies in the womb are human, they're valuable. I believe they should have rights. And I'll, I'll close with this uh, little story here. A few weeks ago, um, God woke me up in the middle of the night. I, I woke up, I couldn't go back to sleep. And the issue of abortion was heavy on my heart. And so I'm praying, praying about this, just praying that God would move and intervene. And so I had to actually get up out of bed and went into my office um, because God had laid this so heavy on my heart. And, I, and he led me to pray for the Supreme Court. I was praying for the Supreme Court. And I don't, this is not something that happens to me on a weekly or monthly basis. I mean, I pray for this stuff when I'm awake, but God woke me up in the middle of the night to pray for this stuff. I found out later that day, later in the day, that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And I'm like, I found that out. I was like, okay, God, what, what are you up to? What are you doing? You know, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that my prayer made her die or anything. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> I didn't want her to die. I, I didn't want her to die. She's actually an amazing woman who did a lot of great things, so just, just for the record. But she was, pro, but she was pro-choice and has been for, for the whole time she's been on the Supreme Court. And so, God, what are you doing? And God knew, she, God knew that was going to happen. God knew that was up for, there would be an appointment that would be happening. And I wonder if, just for such a time as this, that God wants to shake the Supreme Court and see the, the death decree of 73 overturned. Amen. Amen. The title of my sermon, which it's at the end of my sermon, I'm going to give it to you now, is Can the Abortion Giant Fall? I believe it can. I believe God is moving and something amazing will happen. To be clear, 
if Roe versus Wade was overturned, it wouldn't abolish abortion. It would send it back to the states, and each state would be deciding what their abortion laws would look like. So the fight wouldn't be over, but it would be a colossal step in the right direction. Amen? And, I, and in the passing of laws like Amendment 115, those are amazing steps in the right direction. But with that, I'm going to give you the scripture, and we'll pray. Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says this. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Father, we love you. We come before you in Jesus' name. God, I pray that this, would, this message would sink into the culture of this church, that we would be pro-life, Lord. And God, we would be pro-adoption, Lord. We would be for a sexual purity revolution, Lord. God, we would be for moms who are vulnerable. And we would, we would not just lift a finger, we would, we would move mountains for, for vulnerable women who might be seeking abortions, Lord. I pray that that narrative would change, Lord. But God, we ask in Jesus' name, we ask that this evil decree would be overturned. God, and I ask this would sink into the DNA of this church. And we look to you, Lord Jesus. God, let us be led by your spirit. Let us let us do what you're doing. Let us say what you're saying, Lord God. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want to love you. In Jesus' name. And God, I just, I just bless, God, any woman here who's made that decision to, to end her pregnancy, Lord. I just pray grace, grace, grace over you. You are loved. You are valued. You are accepted. And uh, you didn't know what you're doing. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You didn't know what you're doing. You are a child of God and you're safe in his arms. And so, God, we just, I just pray grace over this entire message, Lord. And, uh, God, we thank you that you are our amazing God. You love these babies, and we just pray protection over them that they would have rights. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.